Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, which we try to do in a bi-weekly basis. This is the show where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is Call Me Crazy But Don't Be Lazy. Sources are from safaria.org unless noted otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over, which is usually bold, italicized, and underlined. All shirim are on shirenjoyment.com slash Slash Yerim Dash Reb Dash T. Shout out to Jake W and Ellie for all their help from sheer enjoyment. The lecture series, the PAL, the Audio DT, and OT Talk Show are on different podcast forums. Please feel free to email us at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com, R A B T. This year should serve as a zechus, Le'iloi Nishmas Yehuda ben Dover, the amazing rabbi who was the pillar of our community. This year should also serve as a zechus for the Rafua Shalema of Yisrael Yitzchak ben Rivka Leah, Shlomo ben Saradina, and for the continued health and nachat of Livia Margalit, Bat Ilana Devora to her family, and for anyone sick or needing a Yeshua or a Rafua. Why is it so easy to be so lazy? Why is it so easy? To procrastinate. Why is it so much easier to be a couch potato than to be a go-getter? All of these questions are questions that we should ask ourselves and think about. Why is it easier to be someone who lounges around than to be a doer? To be a slacker is easier than to be an actor, someone who acts. Why do we sit and use no energy rather than get up and use it? Where does this come from? Wikipedia explains it, the term... As laziness is disinclination to activity or exertion despite having the ability to act or to exert oneself. It is often used as a pejorative. Terms for a person seen to be lazy include couch potato, slacker, and bludger. Call me crazy, but don't be lazy. Get up, do things, be involved, act. Do mitzvahs, but don't waste away your time and your days on the couch or bed wasting time. Time is a commodity we will never get back. And most people wish they had more time during life. And at the end of the life of 120 years, God willing, that's what people very often say that is their regret. Business, busyness, to be busy, being involved with doing a lot is the opposite of laziness. In my opinion, as the famous phrase goes, If you want something done, give it to a busy person. In life, we need to be doers, people who take action and get things done. I think of our great Rav, the leader in Glue and Mora Asr of our community, Rabbi Kalimer, Alev Hashalom, who was recently Nifter. No one seemed to be able to do nearly as much as he did. People talked about how he seemed to be in two places at once, how he was there for all of his family, including his children, grandchildren, as well as for all of the community. This was a person who seemed to make more hours in the day than was possible. I also think of my own father who was nifter many years ago when I was a little kid. He also seemed to make more hours in the day than was possible as a community doctor, dealing with nursing homes, hospitals, patients in his office, patients in our own home, as well as taking care of us in the family, making it to softball, literally karate, and so much more. A person who appreciates the value of time The precious gift of time uses his time wisely and doesn't let laziness win, but uses that time to cram as much as they can into one day of life to get things done. You think you did so much today? 
Think of the rabbis of our communities, the doctors who head hospitals, the lawyers who head large firms, and what they have to accomplish in a day, especially with making sure mitzvahs, Torah learning, and chesed gets done every single day. If they can do so much, how much more so we must try to do with our own days and our own time. No one ever said at the end of 120 years, I wish I had more time lounging on the couch. I wish I had more time playing with my phone. I wish I had more time watching TV or movies. Or I wish I had more time playing games. That would be absurdity at its finest. That would be a complete lack of appreciation of time. What people do often say at the end of life is related to things like, I wish I had more time. I wish I did more with my days with my life. I wish I spent more time with others. Or I wish I did X or Y or, or accomplished X or Y in my life. You have the capability to do so, to do so much with your days. Then why aren't you doing so already? You have the capability to accomplish so much in your life. You, so why aren't you already? Don't let the Yetzirah win. Don't let laziness win. Step up to the plate to overcome procrastination. Call me crazy, but don't be lazy. Think of the great sage Hillel who said in one of my favorite Mishnahs in all of Pirkei Avos, in Perak Aleph, Mishnah Yudalad, Hu Haya Omer, he used to say, Im li If I am not for myself, who is for me? But if I am only for myself, what am I? If not now, when? Now is the time to stand up and act. Today, right now, and to do good today. Now is the time to fight laziness and procrastination and win every day to get things done. Now is the time, not tomorrow, not next month, but right now. Now is the time to seize the day. Carpe diem, accomplish today what you can. Pirkei also teaches us in Parag Bet Mishnah Ted Vav and Ted Zayin, Rabbi Tarfum said, the day is short and the work is much. There is so much work to do in this world. The day is so short in this world. But the workers are lazy, but the reward is great. And the master of the house is pressing. He also used to say, Rabbi Tarfon, it is not your duty to finish the work, but neither are you at liberty to neglect it. If you study a lot of Torah, you'll get, you'll get a lot of reward. And you know that Hashem will pay you back. Hashem will get you back for it. And the reward will be given. The real reward will be given in the age to come. But realize that there's so much to do. How could we sit around for hours and hours and hours on end, especially during the day? The daylight hours are one of the best time to get things done. The day is short. Life's short. 120 years, we should be zocha, is a blip in the lifetime of the world. There is so much work to do. There's so much to accomplish. The workers are lazy. But realize, even if we, we have as much as we can do, understand a lot of things you won't be able to fully accomplish or fully see through, but you have to at least start. You have to at least try. You have to at least begin. Rashi points out in Shemos, Parak Yudbet, Pasik Yudzain, Ushmartem es Hamatzos, you shall watch the unleavened bread. That is that is that it shall not reach the stage of becoming leavened. Hence the rabbi said, if the dough is rising, a sign that the leavening process is setting in, 
The person kneading the dough, she or he, polishes it with cold water, slaps the dough with hands dipped in cold water. Rabbi Yoshia said, do not read it as hamatzos, the unleavened bread, but since the Torah is written without vowels, without nekudot, and without showing us how to arrange it, you can read it as es hamitzvos. You shall watch the commandments, same letters, hey, Mem Sadi Vav Tuf, but the whole meaning changes just by looking at the conjugation of the vowels, not as Hamatzos, but as Hamitzvos. You shall watch the commandments. So it's a play on words, a play on the Nikudot, a play on the letters. Fascinating. Just as we may not cause the unleavened bread to become leavened by letting the dough remain in its raw state for too long, so we may not let the commandments to become leavened by waiting too long before we perform it. If a commandment comes to your hand, perform it immediately. Coming from the Chilta de Rabbi Yishmael, not es hamatzos, don't let things become leavened, get the matzos done, but es hamitzvos, watch the commandments, make sure they don't leaven in your hand. Don't let the mitzvos become chametz. Don't let the mitzvos become lost. Don't let your days become lost and your time to become lost. You have the ability to stand up, rise up. Don't let the, the, the day rise away from you. Don't let the day you're living in become chametz. Don't let the life you're living in become chametz. Es hamitzvos, those mitzvos you could do every day. Don't let it be gone from your hand, be become leavened from your hand. We have to do what we can. We might not be able to finish everything, but we need to at least start with the process right away before it becomes chametz or lost, God forbid. It might be hard to work, harder to succeed, but Perkeyavos also teaches in Perkei Mishnah. Chav Gimel ben Hei Omer ben Hei says, Lefum Tzara Agra. According to the exertion is the reward. According to the labor is the reward. It might take a lot of work. It might take a tremendous amount of willpower to overcome laziness, to overcome procrastination, to overcome our natural tendency to want to sit and do nothing. But the more exertion, the more reward. No pain, no gain, they say. It's going to take a little bit of hard work and a little bit of blood, sweat, and tears to get through life. We shouldn't have to know from anything bad, but according to that labor is the reward. The famous phrase goes that the early bird gets the worm. If you get up and make sure you are not lazy, you can make sure to get things done. This world is not all about relaxation. It's to get things done. Picker Elvis also points out to us in another parak. Again, Picker Elvis is one of my favorite svarim. We have a whole project, a whole podcast about it, the PAL, which God willing will be coming back in a few weeks from hiatus. Check it out. It's on all podcast forums. We talk a Mishnah per day with some practical lessons every day. But look at what Pirkei says in Perak Dalad Mishnah Ted Zayin and Yud Zayin. Rabbi Yaakov Omer. Rabbi Yaakov says, Ha'olam hazedomer leprosdor b'fnei ha'olam haba. This world is like a vestibule before, before the world to come. Hatkein atzmecha beprosdor. Kedesha tikanis leturaklin. This world is like a vestibule before the world to come. You prepare yourself in the vestibule. You prepare yourself in the, in the chamber, in the smorgasbord, so you can enter the banquet hall, you can enter it properly. I like also using the parable I've seen elsewhere from commentators from Aforshim, talking about how it's like a wedding hall. The main simcha is not in 
the smorgasbord. Why would you fully, fully load yourself up in the smorg, not leaving any room for the actual wedding? Understand the real reward, the real simcha, the real deal is in the next world. You have to start. You have to prepare yourself in the smorg. You shouldn't go hungry. You shouldn't starve yourself. Eat something in the smorg, but don't overwhelm yourself. Make sure to prepare yourself that you're in the right frame of mind. You're in the right mindset. And you're not staggering into the next hall, drinking too much or doing craziness, but put yourself in the right mindset going into the wedding hall. So too in this world. What are you wasting time on? What are you wasting effort on? Are you going to stumble into the next world and just happen to show up there? After 120 years, you're going to prepare yourself properly. Prepare yourself adequately. Prepare yourself in the right way. Gathering all those mitzvahs, all those rewards. It's also thinking about the parable about the fox who goes over the fence. He founds these beautiful luscious grapes and he loads up on them loads up on them loads up on them and he gets so fat he can't make it back across the fence instead it happens time and again finally he realizes i gotta throw the grapes over to the other side and eat them otherwise he starves himself and eats and starves himself and eats not the right way gotta prepare yourself in the right way in this world use your time in the right way in this world in order to accept the reward really in the next world to come pekri also teaches he used to say, This world, more precious is one hour in shuva, repentance and good deeds in this world, than all of the life of the world to come. And more precious is one hour of the tranquility of the world to come than all of the life in this world. Because this world is not about the true rest. It's not about the real true menuchat nefesh and menuchat You know, after 120, we return the body to the earth, but the soul, the neshama, goes up to Shemaim, that's Olam Ba. That's the real world where we get real spiritual bliss. None of the bliss here, none of the relaxation here, none of the reward here can even touch what happens there. But there... Since it's a world of stagnation, not getting anything done, you 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 get reward for what you did here. Here is the world of doing. Here is the world of taking action. You can do here, you can't do there. Yeah, other people can learn for you and daven for you and in, in olam haba, but you yourself can't do anything. This is the world of what to do. Why waste too much time when there's so much to do and here's so much to accomplish here, so much that can be done in this world. The Medrash also picks up on this in Medrash Mishle in the Paragvav Bet. The wicked will one day come, Rabbi Yehuda ben Hadaya says, the wicked will one day come before Hashem and say, Master of the world, let us rest and we will make tshuva before you. Hashem says to them, fools of the world, the world that you yourselves is in is like living on Erev Shabbos, whereas the world... To come is the world on Shabbos. If you don't prepare for Shabbos, an Arab Shabbos, what will you eat? Another example might be that the world in which you see yourselves is like being on dry land, whereas the world as it already is, is immersed in the sea. The difference is living and, and understanding what you should be. If you don't prepare on Arab Shabbos, you're not going to be able to eat on Shabbos. If you don't prepare in this world, you're not going to be able to reap the benefits in the world to come. You have to use your time wisely in this world, in the life, the one life we're given, hopefully for 120 years. The way of the world nowadays also leads us to become more lazy. Whatever happened to the idea of putting in a good, honest day's work, even if it was a simple day's work? 
In the olden days, there used to be water carriers, market peddlers, shoemakers, and the like, doing good, simple, honest day's work. Nowadays, we have machines to do everything, from our dishes to our laundry to our food to everything. Artificial intelligence has taken over all our lives, making us become extremely lazy, having our phones, computers, cars, and homes, and everything like that, doing everything for us. Even society has noticed this as well. For example, see what the nextweb.com explains. Everything seems to be moving so much more quickly nowadays. We Why throw a grilled cheese sandwich on an actual grill or bake it in an actual oven like we do all the time for our kids when you could just toss it into an automatic sandwich maker? Why have Grandpa over to show off your new apartment when you could just pop into FaceTime for a quick video chat? Why drive over to the library when you could pull up Wikipedia or do a Google search? In fact, why even open a window when we could check the weather on our phones? Technology has made us become lazy. In the 21st century, technology has evolved to accommodate a more convenient lifestyle. I'm all about convenience, for sure, but to a certain extent. We can't become robots. We can't become slugs on the floor. So technology has evolved to accommodate a more convenient lifestyle and meet every need that could possibly be need filling, fulfilling. With the right tech in your home, you might not even have to ever leave your bed. There's a list. They show a list of how technology has made a person lazy. A massive amount of entertainment without leaving the sofa on your phone, on your computer. In the good old days, even when I was a kid, we had to go into stores like Tower Records or FYE, I remember, for your entertainment I remember going into as a kid, finding CDs, or to get an album, or to stop by Blockbuster, I love a Shalom Lahavda 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 Lahavda, or Hollywood Video Lahavda Lahavda, to rent a, a movie, to rent a flick, to go into the store to get it. Thanks to technology, these tasks are a breeze. Checking in with loved ones without even really checking in, technology has made it easy to keep both friends and family updated on where we are at all times, not even have to leave the, leave the house. You think about how we could see people and meet people with Zoom and Google Meet without even having to get off the couch. Think about restaurant, food delivery online or on the phone, and granted I use a lot of these things, but to a certain extent, it can't overtake us. Take, we can't live for technology, technology should help us live better. Don't live for technology. Let technology help you live. Online shopping. I'm a huge proponent of that, uh, especially because I myself am as, I'm an Amazonaholic. I understand, and I understand how good these things are, but we have to make it work for us. Not that we, we live for it, but that it lives to help us, and we need our lives to be better lived because of these things. Even if there's a sale going on in your favorite store, sometimes the Internet is there for you instead, like Amazon or other examples uh, other examples of different things are there to help you have eliminated the need for you to experience even getting outside think about journalists mining for stories that are lazy to find information people not even doing their own errands anymore think of the the company called task where people actually do their handling errands for them and they do the chores for you there's no more perusing the bookstore even people don't go to the actual bookstore Think about the inventions like the Kindle or the e-reader, the e-book reader, or the Nook that Barnes & Noble made. And um, you think about how they do so to put actual stores like Borders out of business. And we force physical bookstores to adopt the emerging trend in digital book reading. Barnes & Nobles has the Nook as an e-book reader. 
But realize, do not give up on real books. Do not ever give up on real books. On my show, OT Talk, where we talk how to live a more independent and functional life, we talk a whole episode about this, how I and my wife are a huge proponent of real books. You know, the iPhone, the iPad, the tablet, the Nook, the Kindle, and uh, all these things where you can read on your phone, I've tried it. You can read it on the tablet. I've tried it. You can read it on the Kindle. I try it. You try it. It's just not the same. I don't care if you could fit a hundred books on your device. It's just not the same. Reading on the phone, it is not the same. for me. It's not the same enjoyment. Not the same pleasure reading on a book. But we come too lazy to carry a book. To bring a book with us, it's too heavy, it's too cumbersome, it takes up room. I'm just going to put it on my phone and read on my phone. It's not the same. You're straining your eyes, number one. It's not functional, number two. And your, 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 your fingers are flicking the whole time. It's, it could, God forbid, lead to thumb problems or carpal tunnel problems, not to get too OT on you. But we, we realize that we do things sometimes because we are lazy in some aspects. Yeah, who needs to carry 150 books with them at one time? Take one book with you at a time, a real book. You can actually turn the pages and feel the pages moving. There's no, no, no replacing that. But that's another thing. People don't go to the bookstore. The other, the other few months before Corona, my wife and I walked into a bookstore, and it was just nice going through the bookstore, looking at books, reading the cover, the back cover. It was a wonderful thing to be able to actually go into the store. Yeah, there are ebooks and yeah, there's the online books, but it's really not the same. People don't wait on hold anymore for 1 800 numbers. There's automated systems. You don't talk to a person. That's why when I call a lot of times for whatever thing and I talk to the person, they're like, they're like super astonished or shocked that I'll actually ask them, Hi, how are you today? How's it going? How's your day? We talk to these real people. It's nice to talk to a real agent, a real person on the phone instead of an automated system. We get news at our fingertips. Who even opens a newspaper, a magazine, a book anymore? Some people, of course, do. But most people get their information on apps or WhatsApp. You know, Yeshiva World WhatsApps us, tells us what's going on. Who even has to open a newspaper? No more getting lost or asking for directions, which might be a good thing, but think about how, how it's a real skill to use a map. In OT land, a lot of times when we're training kids to get ready to go out into the world, especially in 75, children with special needs, District 75, throughout the boroughs, we, we have them use a subway map, or we have them look at a bus map, or we have them try to understand how to get around. But if they don't know how to use a map, there's no maps out there, how are they going to get around? How are they going to understand the subway system, that the 1 goes on this path or the A goes on this path? You can use the app, but it's not the same. Do you ever use a map? Do you ever pull out a map? In the good old days, we definitely had maps. Nowadays, whoever heard such a thing? Ways, beautiful inventions. Again, I love the inventions, how it's convenient and helps us, but not to the exclusion of relying only on technology and being lazy to figure out life important skills that we need in our own lives to be working and doing and involved in Torah mitzvahs and chesed. With our lives quickly becoming more and more effortless, we're constantly trying to find new ways to fit more of what we want into our day without actually having to do anything. The amount of energy we need to exert to, do, to physically do things has been reduced so much, so tremendously, though people could probably have task rabbit do cooking for them as well, feeding for them as well. Crazy. You envision the future. You think about the future. Maybe it'll be like that, that kid's movie that came out many years ago where there were people that, that were very, 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 very large. They never moved. They never did anything. And they just were on their machines and they couldn't move around because technology did everything for us. That is not 
a good way to look at the future. That's a very bleak way. We should never have to know from such things. We should all be healthy in every aspect. But it makes us wonder. The quick fixes, the life hacks, the technology that came about, it makes us wonder. It should make us think, are we too lazy? Are we so immersed in tech and convenience we've forgotten how to live? Is this a taste of the future? Is it a good taste of the future? Again, conveniences are great, but not to the exclusion of making yourself become incredibly lazy. Not to the exclusion of making yourself a slug. Do not let technological advances morph you into a couch potato all day long. The Medrash points out from H.com with the help of the author Rabbi Yehonas and Geffen, the background to the donation of the precious stones, the Avnei Shoham, and you think about the Choshen also, they were brought by the Nassim, the princes, after everything else had already been donated. The Nassim had initially planned to wait, to wait for everyone else to bring their contributions to the Mishkan. Whatever was lacking, the Nassim, the leaders, the princes, would then give, which sounds like a wonderful thing in, in general, but what does that mean? They're waiting around for everyone else to go, and they'll come at the end? But their plan backfired when the people, in their great enthusiasm, gave everything that was needed, with the exception of the precious stones. The Medrash goes on to say that Hashem was displeased with them because they were so late in giving to the Mishkan. Their quote-unquote punishment was that the Yud in their name was omitted at one point in the Torah. So the Orchaim explains and points out that since the donation of the precious stones involves some kind of error, they are mentioned last. They are mentioned last when it comes to the list of the materials given to the Mishkan. Despite their great material value, the spiritual failing that resulted in their donation by the Nassim meant that they were inferior to all the other materials in the list. But Rav Chaim Shmulevitz points out and asks, it, it's still unclear, why is Hashem still upset with the Nassim? Why is Hashem still displeased with the Nassim? Their reasoning for delaying their donation seems to be very understandable. Why are they punished for a seemingly innocent miscalculation? He answers by quoting Rashi's explanation for their punishment. Rashi states, because they were initially lazy, they lost a yud in their name. Atzlus, laziness, is not a good thing to have. Rashi is revealing to us that the real reason that the Nassim tarried in bringing the gifts was because beneath all their seemingly valid justifications for their actions lay the trait of laziness. The Messiah is the path of the just rights at length, and we're going to look at it inside in a little bit about how laziness can prevent a person from fulfilling his obligations properly. And we'll see this a little later on. We see with our own eyes many times a person can be aware of his obligation. He knows what he needs for the goodness of his neshama, but he weakens his service, his avoda, because of a lack of recognition of his obligations. Rather, not because any other reason, but rather because of a laziness that overcomes. He continues that what is so dangerous about laziness is you can find sources to justify your inaction. You bring you sayings of the sages from the prophets, different arguments, showing that really it's okay. But really, he warns us that whenever we have two choices, we should be very weary of choosing the easier option because the root reason for doing so may very well be laziness. The Messiah Yisham is teaching us that even the most valid arguments may simply be veils for a person's desire to avoid pushing himself. 
The Yetzirah of laziness is so cunning that it can clothe itself in some of the most admirable of traits, in particular that of animus, of humility. Rav Moshe Feinstein addresses a common tendency of people to underestimate themselves by claiming that they are greatly limited in their talents and that they never can achieve greatness. He writes that this kind of humility really comes from the Sahara. It seems that this attitude actually derives from laziness, which is really a manifestation of the desire for comfort. It's not easy to achieve greatness. It requires great effort. Like Pirkei Avos said, Lafum Sara Agra. And it, it, it needs the willingness to face setbacks and even failure. Another source that we think about, that Shoma Melch talks about, Sheva Yipot Tzadik Vakam. A person realizes that they'll be shot down, they get up again. They're shot down, they get up again. Seven times, which really is a euphemism for many, many times. And Shlomo Melch himself says this, the, the smartest man of all time. They, you're even shot down, you get back up again. It's difficult. It might be hard, but you've got to get right back up. It might be tempting for a person to write himself off and thereby exempt himself from even trying. Certainly the more comfortable option, but the lazy option. The Jewish press points out from author Rabbi Ben Sion Schaefer of the famous the Shmuz situation and uh, and website and movement. Monsieur Sharm explains that man by nature is lazy. Hashem created us out of the earth, and the nature of earthiness is to be heavy. Man, by his very design, is heavy and sluggish. To combat this, person must learn to move with alacrity, which we talked about in another lecture series topic. To begin right away, to carry through until the end. In addition, there's another element that will determine a person's actions, his value system. Even a lazy man will push himself if the stakes are high enough. If he knows he can make a hundred million dollars in a day, you better believe he'll find a way to get himself moving. The point is that there are two distinct elements that impact a person's actions. Inborn laziness and the value that is that he places on something. For a person to reach his potential, he must work on both fronts, he has to work on laziness directly. He has to work in his value system as well. The more he recognizes the extraordinary value of even a single mitzvah, the more he will be motivated to charge forward and accomplish what he can in his short stay in this world. You think about the other mission on Perkelos that says, Schar mitzvah mitzvah, schar avera avera. Every mitzvah you do brings you to another mitzvah. We don't know the reward a mitzvah can bring us, but every mitzvah is a diamond in the rough. Every mitzvah is a, is a, is a treasure we could take with us into the next world after 120 years. The only thing we could take with us, besides for hopefully making a good name for ourselves, are the good deeds, the mitzvahs, the chesed, the Torah learning we did. Can't take anything else with us. Do what you can to use your energy to fight laziness, to combat that, and to take more with you. Torah.org points out from Rabbi Yisachar friend who points out the Rav Simcha Zizel Brody says, we learn something we should all take to heart. Whenever we have an opportunity to do something or not to do something, and we decide, and we decide excuse me, to delay, even for the most noble of reasons, we should realize that such an attitude is really based on laziness and inertia. Rav Simcha Zizel quotes Rabbeinu Bachaya, <coughs> Rabbi Bachya Ibn Pakuda prefaces in his classic work, Chavos Alvavos, Duties of the Heart, who talks about when he first decided to write his work, the thought crossed his mind that he wasn't worthy <coughs> to write such a safer. He changed his mind and decided not to write it. The decision not to write it brought some sense of relief and leisure, but he ultimately decided it was only laziness that caused him to come to that conclusion that he should not write it. 
Therefore, he did write this cipher, and the rest is history. And the Jewish people, Klaus, shows so much richer for the, richer for the final decision of Rabbeinu Bachai Ibn Bakuda to write and publish the Chaos Alvavlos. So Rav Simchazitzel's point is that regardless of the nobleness of the reason or justification for not doing something, a person must always carefully introspect into oneself, truly consider the possibility that the noble justification was only a fig leaf for a not-so-noble character trait, namely that of laziness. Chabad points out, Chabad.org, with author Yanki Tabra's story, a fascinating parable, famous parable, about using time in our life to gather what is really important. Listen to this parable if you've never heard it before. Once upon a time, there was a poor man who heard that in a faraway land, on the other side of the deep and dangerous sea, there is a place where diamonds were as plentiful as the dust. One need only to bend down, scoop them up, and fill one's pockets. After a long and arduous journey, the man arrived in this wondrous land. Everything that had been said about it was true. Diamonds of all sizes were strewn about everywhere. Even the sand was comprised of billions of tiny glittering gems. A group of children gathered to watch the strange stranger kneeling on the ground stuff his pockets with stones and pebbles, but our friend was too busy to notice them. To celebrate the end of his poverty, the traveler ordered a luxurious dinner in the most expensive restaurant in town. Feeling generous, he handed the waiter a small-sized stone and exhorted him to keep the change. Needless to say, he spent that entire night washing dishes in the kitchen to pay for his extravagance. In a land of diamonds, that diamond means nothing. So he had to wash the dishes to make up for spending so extravagantly. He quickly learned that these pebbles, each of which would be worth millions back home, were utterly worthless in that land. In that land, the currency with which people paid for goods and services was fish. In fact, few people remembered that fish were originally consumed as a food. No one was bothered by the stench which emanated from their wallets, pocketbooks, and money closets. Indeed, a reeking establishment exuded the sweet aura of old money. Once he overcame the disappointment of his lost dream, the traveler was revealed to be a most resourceful and ambitious individual. He worked hard, invested wisely. Before long, he was one of the wealthiest people in the land. His businesses were headquartered in the most ranked section of old downtown. His private vaults held thousands of tons of fish. Finally, it was time to return home. He telegraphed his family, Am rich. We shall never want for anything in our lives. Prepare triumphant homecoming. Stop. End message. He loaded his fortune on a fleet of ships and set sail for his hometown. Family and friends dressed in their best awaited him eagerly at the seaport. Of course, there was nothing that could be done with his shiploads of rotted fish, except sail back a few miles from shore and dump them into the sea. But later that day, as he was undressing for bed, a few specks of dust were shaken out of his trouser pockets and sparkled on the floor of his home. He and his family never again wanted for anything in their lives. Think about how sad, how foolish the person was. He lost sight. He lost 
vision of what was truly important. He got caught up in the moment. He got caught up in the land, the land of the wrong amount of goods. How true it is of all of us that we get caught up in the moment, get caught up in the land acquiring the wrong things, wasting time on the wrong things. Every diamond in this land could be saved and taken to the next world. Every diamond in this earth can be saved for us to take for us to the world to come. It can help us bring it to the world to come. But instead, we fatten ourselves up on fish when fish will rot and mean nothing for us in the next world. We waste time hauling all that fish, wasting our money on trivialities, on materialities of a house, of a car, bigger house, bigger car, when on the end it all means nothing, it'll all go to dust, we can't take it with us. We waste time on thinking that we need conveniences, we need to sit around, we need to be lazy, we need to sit around when we're missing out on those diamonds. And if you do one deed the whole day, you're so proud of yourself, but you shake out your pocket, you see so much dust, and only one diamond comes out at the end of the day, full Wasting time. What could have been done if you shook out your pockets from that day's work and you could have shook out so many diamonds? Don't be like the person in the parable. Don't lose sight of what we're here to do, of what means real currency in the world to come. Don't shake out your minutes, your moments, your hours, your days, your months, and your years only to come out with one diamond. Don't shake out all those years to produce nothing but dust and one diamond. Shake out the years to produce many, many diamonds, not many rotten pieces of fish. We must use our time in this world wisely, gaining and gathering the right things. Not being lazy or wasting time or killing time, which is a terrible concept, by the way. A concept that should be foreign to us in our lives. Time is a commodity. We can never get it back. Again, no one ever said that I wish I wasted more time. People say at the end of life, I wish I had more time. One more day, one more hour, you know what I could accomplish? Time is a commodity. It's always better to be early than to be late. You can never make up lost time. You can never make up time when you're late, my mom always used to tell me. We only have so many years on this earth. Make the most of the days and the years of your life. And that's why it says by our Avos, why does it always say by Avram, Yitzchak, by Yaakov, the days of the years of their life? You ever wonder? Because not only did they make the most of the years of their life, they made the most of the days of their life. And that's someone who lives a full life, who really puts a lot into their days, really puts a lot into their weeks, their months, and their years. Really making the most of the days and the years of your life. Making sure to live a life fully in days and years of your life. Get up, get busy, get moving, and make sure you get things done. Even secular culture understands this and has some tips on how to do so. Lahavdum, donakeating.weebly.com points out the saying, if you want something done, ask a busy person to do it, which is a mantra I love, but it's, an, it's a truth that really seems counterintuitive. Wouldn't you want to instead give it to the person with more time on their hands? You might ask. Until one realizes there's a good reason busy people are in high demand. There's a good reason busy people get things done. It's not because they're circus freaks who enjoy performing the octopus juggle. They're the sort willing to make sacrifices, go the extra mile, ensure the vision is executed, to ensure that the most is made of the day, that they get a lot accomplished in a day. Failure for them is simply not an option. Because they are busy, it's likely 
They appreciate the value of time, theirs and others, and not want to waste it. There is, of course, a caveat. Too much dumping on high performers is not good. It becomes ultimately destructive habit. Of course, they would burn out, become resentful, or things might slip through the cracks. So, Of course, you have to juggle how much can really be done, but make sure to understand a busy person very often understands the value of doing a lot of things and getting a lot of things done. Inc.com points out with author Lolly Daskal some tips against laziness. Again, even secular culture understands this. 12 easy ways to get on top of laziness, to be more productive. Make sure you're not overwhelmed. Have a realistic amount on your plate. Figure out how to break down your day into different hours. I know I work from 8 to 3, and within those hours I have to see 4 hours of kids, and I have a half hour for prep time, and I have a half hour for lunch, and I have documentation time, and I have this time. And from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock, we're getting the day ready. I know 4 o'clock is time to make dinner, to prep dinner. 5 o'clock is time to eat dinner. 6 o'clock is time to get ready for bed or bath time for bed, depending on the day. And then after that, I know I have some hangout time with my wife, and then well, after that, I have some other tour time, but we have to break down the day every day. For example, that's what I'm saying. A lot of times I do in my own day. We have to figure out how to realistically pile up the day, pile up our own plates. Also, check your motivation. If you're not motivated, it's very easy to slip into what looks like laziness. Make sure to get motivation. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your entire life. I talk about this very often. My wife and I say this all the time. If you love what you're doing, you're not working. You're actually loving what you're doing. If you could sit down and think about what you love to do and you could do it without wondering about money, worrying about money, or worrying about time, what would you do? I talk about this all the time in all the shows. And my answer, of course, is audio. I love radio. I love recording. And so... We, we sat down to think what we could do with it. Hashem put all the ideas in the mind of the different shows, and that's what I did. It could have been easy to say, you know, I'll wait for a radio show to gobble me up in 20 years, but that's not going to happen. We have to motivate ourselves. We have to get ourselves moving. You have to not be lazy. Stand up and do what you want. If you have an idea, thought of the, uh, a, few, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, thought of an idea for a kid book, child activity idea, looked into it, didn't see that it was done in the Jewish sphere, so working on it, even though it's very tedious, very expensive. I think it's a good idea. Hashem put it in my mind, I'm sure. So we have to work at it. We have to be motivated. We have to get ourselves, even if publishers say no, and they have, and even if people won't accept it right away, you got to keep working at it, keep your motivation realistically and practically, building it into your life. Look at your surroundings, your environment, and the people around you matter. Make sure to surround with motivation excitement, energy, and positive thinking. If you're a writer, you're working on a book, make sure you, the people around you support you, are proud of you, and love what you're doing, and really support what you're doing. Value your time. This is a big one. Make the most of your time that you do spend working. Look at your to-do list and prioritize. Use a planner, a calendar, reminders, both on phone and paper. I always say, if not for the reminders on my phone, I would forget like half of the things we have to do. Anytime anything comes up, a kid's appointment, an appointment for me, or something is due, I got to put it in my phone. I got to put a reminder. This way I will remember. If it's not written down, we say in uh, in the Board of Ed, we say if it's not written, it didn't happen. If it's not documented, it didn't happen. So too for reminders, if I don't write it down, it's not going to happen. You have to write things down. Some people use post-it notes. Some people write it down. Other people use reminders. I really like reminders. Those are really helpful tips to get you moving. Reframe your thinking. Think about the higher purpose of an organization or ideas. Think how to just have the feeling of having accomplished something significant. 
I must say that myself, even if I get something accomplished, if it's on the path, I don't pat myself on the back so much. And that might be on, on myself, but that's a very good thing to do. Whatever you accomplish, little by little, revel in the accomplishments. If you're working at something and it's a four stages, even if you're past stage one, I'm always thinking, how am I going to get through all four stages? Instead of saying, okay, good, we did stage one. Amazing. Thank you, Hashem. That's a thing to do. Reframe your thinking. Understand each thing you do. Be proud of yourself. If a person is naturally lazy and works on themselves and they work two hours today instead of zero hours, that's something to pat yourself on the back and move forward and do more. Understand the source of value. It's easy to become lazy if you don't see the value in what you have to do. If you don't love your work, you're going to hate what you do. You're not going to want to get up and go to work. That's why you need to do what you love to figure out what your passion is and to do it. When you make a to-do list, include the benefits of each task. Focus on the benefits and goals. Productivity then will become much more rewarding. Learn the value of each task and then work to achieve it. And figure out what you love to do, what your passion is, how you can accomplish it how you can achieve it and make it part of your life. Make new habits. We talk about this also. It takes 28 days scientifically to make a habit. You want to get a good habit. You want to become habitual. Do something straight for 28 days or a month. You want to break a bad habit. It takes three times as long, science says, to break a habit than to make a habit. So make sure you have good habits because it takes three times as long to break them. 90 days to break a habit. So if you typically put off the most complex or difficult assignments for last, switch it up, change your habits, begin doing those tasks first. Pick one or two things to focus on and fully devote yourself to those tasks. Make sure to also measure the changes. Keep new habits in place. Very difficult. Call us chalat koshot. The Talmud teaches us all beginnings are hard, but if you keep at it, especially for that 28 days, it'll get done. Habits take that month to form and three months to break. Start a regimen. Keep on it. Share your goals if you're working toward a promotion or a new job or gearing up to run a marathon or play an open mic night. Tell people about it, especially your spouse, especially, especially, especially your spouse. People oftentimes, unfortunately, go to the spouse last, which is terrible and the opposite of what should be done. Your spouse is your best friend, and if she's not, you better fix that, and if he's not, you better fix that. They are your best friend. The priority, everything else is secondary, including children. Always spouse first, and then children. If your spouse needs something, your kids need something, really take care of the spouse first. If you're all hungry, feed your spouse, then your kids, then feed yourself. That is the best way to do it, in my opinion, and I believe the research is behind that. Also, you need to tell your spouse for support. If you're working on a project, you tell your spouse first. Don't tell all 10 of your friends and then tell your spouse last. Where are their priorities? If something happens, an email, a good or bad, run to the spouse first. And not that, go to the family, go to the friends, go to the best friend. But need people in on it. You need to tell people about it. There's nothing harder on starting a project or being involved in an idea if you're doing it by yourself. Loneliness is not the mother of invention. It is not the helper to invention. Make sure that they're involved. They will keep you to making progress. They will keep you on your toes, and they will be your biggest support, hopefully. Make sure to schedule work and break times. A very big thing in OT land, by the way, if you're working remotely like I am, every 20 minutes, stare 20 feet away for 20 seconds. And also, get up every... 30 to 40 minutes, get up every 30 to 60 minutes for like a five-minute break, 
That's why a lot of times for my remote sessions, we'll start for the first 10 minutes doing movement things. Go noodle, yoga, tai chi, poses, movement. If kids are on their computers all day, I'm on the computer for four hours with these kids. You got to get up and move. Make sure to commit to working for 45 minutes and then take a 15-minute break. Use a timer in your phone to keep track. Also look for alternatives. Think of ways you can work more effectively. Is there a better way? Can you delegate or automate a task? The more you streamline, automate, delegate, and outsource, the more you can get done with the same level of effort. And remember, nothing changes until you do. You can't change people around you. You can't change circumstances around you most times, but you can only change yourself. We talked about that in another lecture. You know, for 30 years, I've been trying to get them to eat healthy. It's not going to change in year 31. For 45 years, I've been trying to get him to use the app it's not going to change. The only thing that can change is you. You can only change yourself. We talked about a long time ago, one of the other lecture series, somebody wanted to change the world, couldn't do that. Wanted to change his continent, couldn't do that. Very famous, it might be from Rabbi Salah Salanter from the Musser Works. He wanted to change his country, couldn't do that. Even wanted to change his city, could not do that. Neighborhood, nope, can't do that either. Town, your small part of the town of your neighborhood, can't do that either. He wanted to just change his street. Couldn't even do that. Wanted to change his neighbors. Couldn't do that either. And then wanted to change his household. His, his spouse, his kids could not do that. And then he realized the only thing you can do is to change yourself. And then by definition, everything else, everyone around you will change too. But it all starts with you. Nothing will change until you do. So set your mind to a task. Get up, complete it. Start right now to develop the self-discipline you need to reach your goals. Call me crazy, but don't be lazy. Be busy, be active, be involved, be a doer. The busy person will figure out how to get it done. Often I try to live by this rule. When we juggle a day job, the kids, the chores, the audio shows, the side book project and all else and, uh, and different projects and different working on different things, even a rabbinical degree and whatnot, it has to be scheduled and figured out into the day with my phone's calendars, reminders to help me sort it all out. Keep moving. Keep doing, keep acting, and keep busy. This combats laziness. It's up to you to combat the laziness around and within you. You can stand up. You can fight it. You can beat it. Realize the strength and the power is inside of you. Look at these other amazing sources about, and listen to these other sources, God willing, about laziness. Shlomo Hamel has so many interesting sources and sayings about laziness from Kohalas and then from Mishlein. In Kohalas, he talks about how through slothfulness, the ceiling sags. Lazy hands makes the house caves in. You talk about how if things are done in a half-done half job, it's not done the right way. You're going to do something, do it right. Do it the whole way. You're going to do your driveway, do it the right way, the whole way. You're going to do the laundry, get the best laundry system you can. Just personal examples, for example. You want to do something right, do it the whole way. Don't do it halfway. I talk about a lot of times when people move into a home, you see all these things that were done halfway. Don't do things halfway. Even if it costs more, even if it takes more time, do it the right way. Mishle points out, Shlomo Melch, lazy bones, look at the ant. Study its ways and learn. We'll talk about that in a minute also. Mishle also talks about like vinegar to the teeth, like smoke to the eyes, a lazy man. To those who send him on a mission, he's lazy, he's not going to get it done. Mishle talks about how the lazy man neither studies Torah nor works or vexes his house, so this person will become a servant to the wise of the heart because you're not getting anything done. Mishle talks how a lazy man craves and has nothing. The diligent shall feast on rich fare. And the way of a lazy man, Mishle says, is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is paved. 
laziness induces sleep. You think about a person who sits around, they're just going to fall asleep and waste the time. Negligent person will go hungry, Mishle points out. It also says the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. He will not even bring it to his mouth, too lazy to get things done. And in the winter, the lazy man does not plow at harvest time. He seeks and finds nothing, Mishle points out. And the craving of a lazy man kills him. His hands refuse to work, pointed out by Mishle. And Mishle also points out that the lazy man says, There's a lion in the street. I should be killed if I step outside. I don't want to go outside. I'm too lazy. I'm scared of the lions in the street. And I observed and took it to heart. I saw it and learned a lesson. A bit more sleep, a bit more slumber, a bit more hugging yourself in the bed. Poverty will come calling upon you, God forbid, and want like a man with a shield, Mishle points out. It is to the detriment of the soul to be lazy. Mishle points out a lazy man says there's a cub on the road, a lion in the squares. And Mishle says the door turns on its hinge and the lazy man on his bed. And the lazy man buries his hand in the bowl. He won't bring it to his mouth. He thinks himself wiser than seven men who give good advice. All these different sayings from Mishle. And the point to carry over is that laziness is a fundamentally bad trait. Make sure you utilize your time throughout the day wisely. Rashi points out on Mishle, if you, the he who inherits the wind will trouble his household. The lazy man always inherits the wind, doesn't toil and Torah or work, ultimately will trouble the members of his household. Rashi also points out on Mishle, laziness causes one to fall into a deep sleep. Laziness causes one to fall asleep. And because of the winter, he doesn't plow. Because of the cold, he sits and does not work. He does no work. Neither does he engage in Torah. And Rashi points out in Kohelis, the laziness of those who abandon the Torah causes them wearing labor in Gehenna. And that's another point to carry over. There is no gain from laziness. Only losses occur. Gemara talks about in Psachim, we're right now in the middle of Psachim, so we saw this a few weeks ago, that there are different aspects, different types of people. A lazy person who's rewarded, who is a lazy one who's penalized, and then there's a lazy one who is diligent and rewarded, one who's diligent and penalized. It goes about different things. Someone who's lazy and rewarded is one who does not work the entire week and does not work on Shabbos Eve. Why? He's involved in the Torah. He's involved in doing good things and making sure to balance what he's doing. Make sure to do things in the right way. Don't be lazy in the wrong way. Psachim also points out on 53, the lazy person lacks productivity and good deeds, and he is like a shikma tree. As Rashi mentions, produces no fruit. A tree that produces fruit is a metaphor for a person who performs mitzvahs. Rabbi Yonah points out at Pirkeyelos in Perak Aleph, Mishnah Yud Aleph, Shmai says, love work. A man shouldn't be idle from work. Idleness brings a person to Enoi. And Ksuvos points out, it's a trait of illness. The craving of a lazy man kills him or his hands refuse to do so, as Mishle says. When a person accustoms his limbs to be idle from work, his hands refuse. Habit rules over them. And they also say that in Mishle, from the winter, the lazy man doesn't plow. Harvest time he seeks and there's nothing. And the point to, to think from that is that idleness leads to inactivity and not using time properly in the best way. Rabbeinu Bachai, Rabbeinu Bachai points out in Devarim that Shlomo talks at length, we pr- brought you so many sources from Mishle that laziness is a negative virtue to be avoided. Laziness is as the root, is at the root of many of the problems one experiences in one's life. Mr. Sturm points out, if you, we talked about this earlier, if you ask the lazy person will confront you with so many quotations from the sages and scripture, logical arguments that will say, according to his distorted mind, you can be lenient, you can be lazy, let me be tranquil. But he fails to see these arguments and reasons do not stem from balanced reasoning, but spring from the wellspring of laziness. It strengthens over him 
and it ruins him. Mr. Sharm also points out the factors which diminish zeal are those which increase laziness. The greatest of all, seeking tranquility of the body, hatred of exertion, love of bodily enjoyments to their fullest extent, not good. That's not what we're here for. Peace and tranquility are wonderful, but not for all 120 of your years. You need to work. You need to do. You need to get things done. And that's another point to carry over. Excuses are not a way to get around chores in life. Do not use them in the wrong way. Gamar points out in Tanis, Rav Katina says, Laziness shall the beams be injured. If a person doesn't do the job right, he's lazy, things will not go well, God forbid. Chavos Avavos points out, do not allow laziness to make you lax in it, because if your own soul is lighting your eyes, what else will be important to you? Rabin Bachet points out in Shemos, anyone displaying laziness in his attitude to the acquisition of Torah is liable to punishment, even if he does observe the relevant commandment. That's why Shlomo Hamelch talks about how laziness is a very negative character trait, and it's a very bad character trait. Rabin Bachet also points out in Shemos, a lazy man prevents himself for making progress by his very laziness. And Rabbeinu Bach, points out, a devarm laziness, by contrast, is a negative, negative virtue, one to be avoided. In fact, laziness is as the root, at the root of many of the problems one experiences in life. And because of laziness, laziness it could be manifest in the manner in which a person neglects their homes. It could be manifest in the way a person neglects their bodies. It could be manifest in the way they relate to the requirements of their soul, neglecting their soul. And it could be manifest in, in how they're lazy in the attitude to Torah study and performance of the Torah commandments, God forbid. And also, they could be neglectful, lazy in the requirements of their soul. You have to fight that in order to fix all aspects of the home, the body, the soul, the commandments, Torah, and the, the essence of the neshama itself. The Orchot Sadiqan points out laziness is a very bad quality. Anyone in whom this trait is strong will find his affairs spoiled in this world and the world to come. And owing to laziness, he would lose out on his job and his produce if he's a farmer. He's too lazy to repair things, and he'll, things will be ruined because of his laziness. He won't repair it before it falls. And Orchot Sadiqim also points out that not only does the lazy man fail to attain knowledge of his Torah, he doesn't occupy himself with Torah as he should, but due to his laziness, false notions enter his heart. And he thinks it's good to rest the body, it's good to sit. But laziness then causes a man to seek reasons for saying that when he avoids study, he's really doing a positive good. When exertion is called for, he's rationalizing his laziness. So the point to carry over is do what you can to stay and be busy and avoid the feelings of laziness. Orchot Sadiqan points out elsewhere, there's also a good type of laziness, however. One who's too lazy to do bad things or to run after pleasure is a really good thing to have. And Mr. Yosem also points out, the main thing to realize is that a man must greatly strengthen himself, fortify himself with zeal in doing the mitzvahs, casting off the weight of laziness which impedes him. And that's another point to carry over. Allow laziness in only for a good person. Like to be too lazy to gossip with others. Too lazy to go to a shidduch meeting which ends up becoming a Lashon Har meeting. Too lazy to go out for brunch with the people when it ends up becoming Motzi Shemra. Allow laziness in only for a good purpose. The Chovot HaTalmidim points out, Cast off your laziness along with your laxness from yourself. Serve Hashem with joy and with strength. And the Shalhevet Shalamuna points out, while our physical nature pulls us to laziness, haughtiness, anger, and desire, we can and must overcome these things. Even in the Selichos, on some Gedali, we talk about how we approach Hashem with diligence and not with laziness, and we should, if we don't already, avert calamities from us that come from time to time. And the Chavos Havos also points out, look at that ant. Lazy person, look at the ant. 
observe its ways, become wise. The ant prepares bread in the summer. And lazy one, but sits there and sits there and lies there. When will you get up? Learn from the ant. They prepare it in the summer all the way for the winter. And that's another point. Learn from others around you, including little creatures, the diligence of a work ethic of animals and creatures, especially the ant. The Estorabah points out, it's also said, also one lazy in his work is a brother to the destroyer. And the Orchot Chaim Laharash says, Do not accustom yourself to arise from your bed lazy. Rise promptly in order to serve your Maker. I believe that the Orachash, the Shulchan Aruch says, one of the commandments is, Hitkaber ka'ari la'asot la'asot you're supposed to get up and jump out of bed, which I'm of course guilty of, but we should all be better about this, to get up and jump out of bed like a lion, doing the work of Hashem. Don't be lazy. Get up, jump up. I have another day. There's so much I can do. Sefer Yasha points out, one should be jealous of the very poor who don't even have a moment's sustenance. Despite all their poverty and deprivation, they're not lazy or reluctant to serve Hashem. And it also says there, the lazy man doesn't complete any of his tasks, therefore the worship of a lazy person isn't complete. He's too lazy to fulfill the conditions of the service of Hashem. And the Orchah also says, elsewhere the workers are lazy refers to a man who has within him the quality of laziness. And the Kedis Yitzchak points out the very accessibility of Torah that it should practically, it's being spoon-fed to us, and yet we are too lazy to swallow it. Too lazy to swallow it, even though it's so easy nowadays to get Torah, we're too lazy to listen to it, to find it. We must be better about that. And Monsieur Sherm says, Also, you can see a man whose soul is afire in the service of Hashem will not become lazy in doing mitzvahs, but his movements will be quick, like the movements of fire. And Perke Avos also points out, we have to minimize different things in life in order to combat the laziness, like a minimum of sleep. Too much sleep is a waste of time and leads one to be lazy. And that's the last point to carry over. Torah is so easy to get nowadays. Don't be lazy. Use your time right. Do not allow laziness to come in. And just to review the points to carry over, laziness is a fundamentally bad trait. Make sure to utilize your time wisely throughout the day. There's no gain from laziness. Only losses occur. Idleness leads to inactivity, not using time properly in the best way. Excuses are not a way to get around chores in life. Don't use them in the wrong way. And make sure to understand to do what you can to stay and be busy with good things. Torah, Mitzvahs, and Chesed avoid the feeling of laziness. Allow laziness in only for a good purpose, to be too lazy to gossip with others, or to do Lashon Hara. Learn from others around you, including little creatures, the diligence of a work ethic of animals and creatures, especially the ant. And Torah is so easy to get nowadays. Don't be lazy. Use your time right. Do not allow laziness in. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back, God willing, Amir Tashembli Nedra, in two weeks where we talk on the lecture series with Reb T, another topic per session with some practical lessons. Thank you very much and have a wonderful night.